How would you feel if your favorite snack food, instead of right there on the label, um, listed, you know, calories, it listed how much exercise it would take to burn it off? <laughs> this is an idea they're floating in the UK. Talk about a Debbie Downer buzzkill. Mm-hmm. I already can't stand that every franchise has to list the calories right there on the menu. Like you're standing there at like, oh, I'll just out them. Panera. I know they have to follow the government rules. And you're like, oh, man, I don't want to know that. I just want to have a fun lunch with my friend. You should be able to opt in or out of that. Yes, I agree. Like you don't have to you put think? on 3D glasses if you want to see the calories. Mm-hmm. That's how you see it. Um, but like, I don't want to know that it's going to take what, like five trail runs to burn off my favorite treat. I just want to enjoy it. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Yeah. That's, I, I vote no. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, that's folks who they know better than the rest of us and want to enforce that. I hope no. that stays in the UK no, and doesn't no, come here. No. Okay. Think about this for a minute. When something fun or good happens, do you say to your kids, high five, high five kids. We're going to talk about that next. When your kids accomplish something, do you say, give me a high five? I request the highest of fives. How about you, Kev? Do you ever high five your kids or fist bump? Okay, well, a parenting expert named John Rosemond, maybe you've read his column. He's gone viral for writing an op-ed piece saying adults shouldn't high five their children because a child is not an adult's equal. Uh, He argues that respecting adults is important to a child's character development and a high five is not compatible with respect. And he said he doesn't allow his grandson to high-five him. Well, people are going crazy about this. They're like, what? Of course you high-five your children. And in fact, a child psychologist completely disagrees, saying physical touch and encouragement for working hard or overcoming fear or something to celebrate is super important. And they disagree, but he sure has gotten a ton of attention for writing this op-ed piece. Dear Mr. Roseman, Of all the problems we have in our country right now with children, (laughs) high-fiving them is not even close to the top 15,000. Amen. (laughs) Good night. Not wild. (laughs) Wow. So apparently John Roseman says we're ruining our kids if we high-five them. I got news for you, pal. That's not how I ruin my kid. <laughs> Let's have some fun. Um, other than high-fiving your kids, how are you ruining them? <laughs> Give us a call. Take some personal responsibility, Mom and Dad. How have you spoiled and ruined your kids? We'd like to hear from you. Hey, Shelly, so uh, this this parenting expert, who I agree with a lot of times, is saying if you... Uh, if you high-five your kids, you're, you're ruining them. <laughs> so, so, we're, so we're having some fun talking about, uh, other than that, how have you ruined your kids? I tuck my kids in at night. Oh, <gasps> no. You terrible mother. <laughs> Tell you. me you don't pray with them. <laughs> I do. I pray with them, and I tuck them in, and they're 10 years old. Is that amazing? Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> they're you, awful, I should say. You know how I probably ruined uh, my daughter, Amber? She would not fall asleep if I wasn't lying on the floor next to her. Like she'd be in bed, and I'd lie on. The, I'd read her story, and she'd go, "Don't go, Daddy. Wait till I fall asleep." And I couldn't. I couldn't resist. I'm. I'm Aww. sure. I'm sure Mr. Roseman would say I ruined her. <laughs> <laughs> terrible dad. Yeah. yeah. She graduated high school early. Graduated college early. She's already an executive at 22. I ruined her. <laughs> ruined her. Ruined her. Wow. 
Noel, apparently, according to this uh, parenting expert, you ruin your kids when you high-five them. So you, as a mom, how are you ruining your kids? Well, it's really my husband, let's be honest. (laughs) 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 I have two girls, so we both do a pretty good job of ruining them, but he goes a little bit over the top. Every night since they were little girls, tucked them into bed, Um, but he started giving them a nice little cut off of a block of cheese. And now every night before they go to sleep, they have to have their prayers and their cheese, no matter where they are. <laughs> you got to travel with cheese now? <laughs> yes. Anywhere we go, they insist. And so when they go on a trip, we have to stop at the gas station and get a block of cheese so they can have cheese before bed. Hilarious. <laughs> so they have their prayers and cheese us. <laughs> <laughs> so when do you like to eat dinner? Is everyone starving when you get home from work and school so you wolf something down as soon as possible? Or Mm. are you kind of more European style and you want to cook something so by the time (laughs) you eat, it's pretty late? When it comes to your health, the earlier you eat dinner, the better, according to new research. People who ate meals four hours later in the day were more hungry and burned calories at a slower rate. In fact, if you can eat your meals within a 10-hour window... They say that's the best for lowering bad cholesterol and improving your mental health. Mm. It's funny you mentioned eating European. My wife will say that whenever a recipe takes longer than she anticipated, yeah. I'll say, is dinner almost ready? She'll go, oh, no, no, didn't I tell you we're, we're eating Europe like the Europeans tonight? <laughs> Translation, all this chopping and dicing and slicing took takes longer forever. than I anticipated. And the right. recipe always lies right. on the length of time it'll take. I'll never forget the first time you told me, Kev, like, my kids like all kinds of music, all different kinds. And then oh, it yeah. started happening more and more to other kids as YouTube and Spotify and all the different music services rolled out. There's no certain, like, era. They love it all. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about that in just a minute. This is kind of interesting, you know, because, Kev, you were the first person years and years ago to teach me that kids like all kinds of music nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. I remember it was just starting when music services were starting and and you're like, my kids like all kinds of music. So this is pretty interesting. The police's um, this song surpassed one billion views on YouTube. Wow. This single topped the Hot 100 for eight weeks in the year of 1983. <laughs> and apparently, uh, you know, once he sold all his music, it's just it's gotten even more popular. And uh, so much so it's kind of weird. This this is kind of creepy, but they made it into a TV commercial for Duck Go. Have you heard this commercial? Every click you take, <laughs> every move you make. Every step you take, I'll be watching you. Some kind of web security type. Isn't that creepy? <laughs> I wonder what Sting thinks of that song, that ad. I think he loves it because every time he cashes the check, it makes him really, really happy. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I think it's fascinating how, a, you know, a song that was so popular in 1983 mm-hmm. has now been viewed, a, the video has been viewed a billion times on YouTube. Well, <clears throat> stranger things have happened. <laughs> shows set in the 80s it's yeah, very popular that was good <laughs> I thought so too thanks so when someone new starts in the office or at work there's a little bit of a getting to know you phase oh, yeah. right it lasts mm-hmm. a couple of weeks or whatever well a, a friend of mine on social media had somebody new start work in her office today and they're already doing something a bit bizarre hmm. and they don't know how to handle it see how you would handle this 
I'll tell you what this person's doing next. I don't know what I would do. It's kind of weird. We'll talk about it next. So a friend of mine on social media works in a design office, and they don't know what to do about a new coworker. A person just started work today. Okay. This is unfolding as we speak. And they're doing something weird? Person like, sits down at their desk, gets themselves settled in, has their little coffee mug, and starts putting, you know, putting their pens in the right place and everything else. They're all like, you know, people are dropping by saying hi. Well, when the office settles down and people are starting to get into their work day, they start hearing this noise. Snap. Snap. Snap, snap. Somebody walks by. The dude is trimming his nails. Ew. Ew. On the first day? In the, within the first hour. <laughs> Sitting at the desk. No. Trimming his nails. Ooh. And they don't know what to do. Ooh, I got the heebie-jeebies now. They don't know what to do. They don't know. Should they talk to the guy? Should they say something? Should they go to their boss? What would you do? Find hey, a new, new person at work, and within an hour, they're trimming their nails. What's the follow-up on day two? Trimming nose hairs or something? I want clarification. I, I responded, and I put toes or fingers Ew. Because yeah. if somebody's going to do that within the first hour, they're, they're not going to care about taking their shoes and socks off. If they're going to start trimming their nails at their desk within the first hour. It'd be one thing if it was one little snip and they had like a, you know, how you your nail will split and then it gets caught on everything. But if he was really doing all 10 fingers, <laughs> that's really <laughs> going to town. That's right? really inappropriate. <laughs> and kind of gross. Let me see if there are any Nobody comments. Wants to see that. Let me see if there are any comments. Uh, she, uh, somebody commented uh, what you just did. If it's a hangnail, fine. But if this is grooming, right. that belongs at home or at least in private. Um, yeah, no one is supportive. <laughs> <laughs> some people no one are is say- loving this person unconditionally. Right. Some people are saying that day one, that's like maybe we're not the right fit for you. Um, anywho. <laughs> Okay. How would how would you handle it? How, what would would you be brave enough first day to go up to somebody and say, "Hey, yeah, none of us are okay with that," <laughs> <laughs> or would you just let it go? It's only going to get worse from there, right? What would you do, Marsha? We're talking about this lady who has a new coworker today, and within the first hour started trimming fingernails at at, at, his, at his cubicle. What, how would you handle that if that was your workplace? I would turn my radio on to the Kevin and Taylor show. <laughs> <laughs> turn it up loud and drown it out? <laughs> no, turn it up loud and let him hear us talking about him. <laughs> let him hear right? the conversation. <laughs> let you guys tell him. That's inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 right. Now, like Taylor was saying, I have... I've been here at the radio station forever. I'm like the furniture. I, I've been here from day one. And I've got... I've got a toothbrush. I've got nail trimmers. I've got all that. I've got a grooming kit in my desk. But but I would not use any of those at my desk. I would I would go to the executive washroom and and uh, take care of it there. Not not out in the common area. Washroom. I just caught that. I have have everything that I need like that also in my office. I either shut the door or go to the bathroom. There you go. Well, kids have no home training these days. I think that's the problem. All the things you learn in kindergarten, maybe she didn't. (laughs) Right. It's kind of wild how crazy the English language is. You especially notice it when people are trying to learn English as their second language. There's just Hmm. some strange stuff about it, including certain words. Like, have you ever wondered where the word scapegoat comes from? 
It's a weird word, right? Don't make me the scapegoat. I'm mm-hmm. not the scapegoat here. Well, apparently it goes all the way back to f- the year 1530 when William Tinsdale was translating the Bible into English. And he was translating uh, that verse in Leviticus that talks about the ancient Yom Kippur ritual, or ritual where you know the high priest sacrifices one goat and the other goat carries all the sins of the people out into the desert. So Tyndale came up with the word escape goat hmm. for the Bible. And then we all shortened it over the years to scapegoat. Hmm. So pretty fascinating. Like I had yeah. no idea that that's where the word scapegoat came from. Look so that. the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a friend here at work who's taking his son. They're going on a, on a once in a lifetime trip to England. Nice. And uh, I said to him, you, you'll you want to be very attentive and listen very closely because they don't speak American there. (laughs) (laughs) Are you trying to raise good humans coming up? They talked to parents of successful adults and find out they found out what they did differently. You want your kids to be productive members of society, right? Well, they talked to parents of successful uh, adults and found out what they did differently. And there are four distinct differences. Number one, they taught their kids to be curious, not fearful. Two, they gave their kids responsibilities at a super young age. Number three, they let their kids pick their passions rather than choosing for them. And finally, parents of successful adults share their own struggles so that their kids could learn from mom and dad's mistakes. A lot of kids don't realize what their parents overcame to get where they are today. So don't feel like you have to hide your struggles from your kids. So we're talking about raising successful kids. And what I'm wondering is what is the best advice that you ever got? from your parents best life advice you ever got from them and and have you shared it with your kids have you passed it on what is it hey amanda we're talking about the best advice you ever got from your mom or your dad what was it just knowing that if i didn't have everything i wanted there were others that didn't have what i had so to be thankful and that Mm. is certainly something i've passed on to my kids that's awesome Mm. yeah it's similar to that that one phrase uh learn to love what you have and you'll never want for anything absolutely and and me as an adult and even in teaching my children, it's something you never stop learning. What about you? What's the best life lesson your parents taught you that you pass on to your kids? Hey, Steve, it's Kevin and Taylor. So what's one of the best pieces of advice your parents ever gave you? Well, um, I've been a pastor for over 37 years. And my dad was a pastor. My granddad was a pastor. And oh, here's wow. the advice when I was a young seminary student. My dad told me, he said... He said, pass the plate before the sermon. (laughs) Well, that, yes. And after the sermon, if necessary. But he he said, uh, in ministry, don't ever quit on Monday. Ooh, when you're exhausted. Because there's going to be a lot of Mondays for pastors. But, you know, that translates to other people because what is your Monday? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and just don't quit on that. Trust in God and keep moving forward. That's awesome, Steve. Um, Pastor Steve, thank you so much for sharing that yeah, with us. Yeah, and my dad is 88 years old. He's still in ministry. Woohoo! And so, so he never has quit on Monday. <laughs> oh wow! He's That's practicing great. what he preaches. That's great, and we do Absolutely. we appreciate you, Pastor. Thank you for all the work you do. All right, thank you. So yeah, sometimes I get jealous of our dogs because they're treated. So well. As a matter of fact, we have a, a pillow my wife just got. It's on our sofa, and it says, no humans allowed on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw something that might even the score. Maybe you you could get one of these, too. It's called, have you seen this? 
on Instagram at a human dog bed. It's a giant yes. dog bed <laughs> for people, for you to get in. Like, I don't know if your dogs have a dog bed. We've got them all over our house. We've got, like, in our bedroom, there's two. Dining room, there's one. Living room, there's two. And we have stacks. There yeah. are at least two in each stack wow. for the for the dogs. Very cushy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the human dog bed, I think the only thing that could backfire is they would take it and use it. Probably, yeah. I remember one time I blew up an air mattress on the ground when my husband was really sick. Uh-huh. And the dog got on it. The on dog the air mattress thought it was for, for her, yeah. not for Glenn. So I'm thinking it could backfire. But man, the ad makes it look like it's the most comfortable, cushiony cocoon you could yeah. ever want to have. You know what's big news about this? Back when I first heard about the human dog bed, it was a crowdsourcing thing, and they were just trying to raise money to get it ah. off the ground. So the fact that you already saw an ad for yeah, it means I think it's the hit. money came in, they've manufactured it, and they even have money for advertising. Or someone saw it and stole the idea. True. <laughs> that, could, that could be happening, too. But either way, I want one. But I'm afraid my dogs will just take my human dog bed. Why not? They've already taken my real human bed, right? Yeah. Coming up, your workplace desperately needs this type of boss. Your workplace desperately needs this type of boss, one who leads with empathy. Now, what does that look like? He or she is open and welcoming to employees sharing ideas, and they show genuine concern for the employees' lives, including how their family's doing and hardships they're experiencing. When the boss is empathetic, employees are way more engaged with their work have better overall performance and are more likely to stay with the company instead of looking for a new job. I mean, what is it they say? Like, if you act like, if you treat people like that, they'll they'll one run through walls for you. Yeah, when yeah. they're loyal to you as as a boss. Yeah, had good bosses, bad bosses, and I think empathy is probably one of the biggest biggest things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, want, you want a boss that under understands what you're going through, not just sitting in that cubicle or right. during that that work day, right? The full person. Yeah. I think a lot of moms can wind up feeling unappreciated, right? I've had a front row seat, best mom in the world. Uh, we have four kids and Tracy just knocks it out of the park. And I'm always amazed at how much she gets done for everybody. They don't really even know mm, <laughs> how much yeah. their life is being propped up uh, by mom who's getting it all done. I'd like to talk about that a little bit, mom. Do you, do you feel like... Uh, Folks know, particularly those people you call your husband and your kids, do they have any idea how much you put into being a mom? Let's talk about that next. So listen to what this mom, Allison, she's halfway around the world in Australia. Okay. But her sentiment and the emotion behind this is universal. She posted, I did five loads of laundry. I put them all away. I made a nice dinner. I cleaned up by myself afterwards. Someone please clap for me. Aw, <laughs> yeah. Tell me you don't feel that, Mom. That is so true. Moms do so much. And uh, like I said, I had a front row seat. Best mom in the world. My wife, Tracy. We have four kids. And she stayed home with them. And just the jobs and the tasks were endless. And this is when people would know how much mom did if she didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Or like she if, got sick. If she yeah. didn't, if she didn't do the laundry, if she didn't, if she was like, if she did dare to go out and like have lunch with a friend and came home and, you know, there wasn't a snack for the kids right after school, then it was noticed. But otherwise people just thought, you know, our kids and, and I would go, go around going like, oh, well, yeah, of course, this is just normal. This is just life. Mm. Um, and it's not moms. You guys do a fantastic job. 
And it oftentimes goes unnoticed or unthanked. So if you're feeling that way today, we see you, we recognize you, and we just want to give you an, a, a standing ovation. Good job. Keep it up. We're talking about that hashtag mom life and how underappreciated moms can feel. And uh, we just want to give you all a high five. Great job. You're yeah. doing a great job, mom. Keep Man, it up. Just want to hope you feel so loved, especially if your child right now, and I have a mom in my life whose child is in a such a rebellious phase and such a I don't want you mom and dad in my life phase right now that um, the only way she can describe how she feels right now is numb. She just feels numb. She's so hurt and um, it's just been so hard on her. So if that is you, mom, because you've dedicated your life to this child, you carry that child for nine months inside your own body and now they're um, at that spot. I just want you to feel so loved and know that God promises to bottle your tears. He, He sees you. He feels your pain. And he's there with you. I I wish I could just wave a magic wand and make it better in my friend's life who's going through this. And I can't, but I can listen and show love and try to point them to the love that God has for them and and just keep praying for their child that they will come back into the fold. It's Mm. so hard. Wow.